We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throwing into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet. Inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. Welcome back. It's another edition of the World Podcast. It's a Monday recap. You'll hear this on Tuesday morning. John Ellis, Billy Marshall on Blue Wire, giving you the yeah, good, bad, and ugly with what happened against Minnesota. It was an interesting game to see the release, 34-28. Uh, Billy Marshall, did you survive it? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. Certainly a much more tempered emotions watching yesterday as opposed to uh, the week before. Yeah, I think we talked about you and I last week. That was uh, a game that we felt they had in the bag. They gave away with a lot of uh, just suboptimal decisions and, and, and just errors you can't have. In this game, obviously, we'll dive right into it. Look, the, the first play of the game, I mean, we're going to get to the offense, defense, special teams, and, and, and keep this as concise as we can. But we've got to get into some things that – went down in this game, and then some things that were said today by the head coach. Uh, first of all, you open the game up, and you get the ball first if you're Carolina. Sam Darnold, who has struggled of late, particularly in these last, you know, like six, seven, eight quarters of football, they run a uh, two-man option with a third on the back end there, sort of a check down, max protection. They roll the pocket, good protection. And, you know, folks saw this play live. I went back and looked at the All-22, and, and I just was – astonished once again at the lack of ability by this quarterback to stick with one read, move to the next read, anticipate, and deliver. What happens here is he runs the deep post, the number one who's more there on the left side of the boundary. He's covered up by safety. They're running two on top of more in this game all day, and it gave them fits. 
Anderson runs what looks like a curl and then pivots out to sort of, you know, improv because he sees that Sam does not know what to do. So Robbie's trying to help his friend out. Uh, and then the, the, the design was weird because on the backside, you've got Hubbard running the check down against the boot, which to me does not do Sam any favors. You want a one, two, three type progression of things. And Sam has to go left with his eyes, all that left with his feet and does not like that. And so Sam ends up doing hero ball, taking off right side. Folks, you guys saw it. It was a late throw on a comeback. Uh, Billy, that's what I saw on that play. And I know you've looked at it too. I mean, your thoughts on how Sam Donner continues. And again, we're going to start with the quarterback because that's an important position. Just continues to play careless football. Yeah, that's really just killing them. And obviously, like, there were other circumstances yesterday. The offensive line, I thought, played better. But, again, it's it's an issue. And, I mean, we've been relitigating this for months now. So, I'm a little uh, tired at how much we have to spend on them. But, no, it they definitely played better. And I think that it um, – I don't really see them as – uh, an issue, not necessarily, they're obviously an issue. I, I don't see them as something that I want to spend too much time on. Uh, so for me, the receivers had an uncharacteristically bad game. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you're supposed to have a quarterback who can overcome some issues that he's dealing with. I mean, that's why you go out and you spend a second round pick and a fourth round pick and a sixth uh-huh. round pick uh-huh. on this guy because you expect him to play like a franchise quarterback and um, he just didn't play well. I mean, it's that simple. Like he had one good drive at the end and he deserves praise for that. But even on that drive, like some of those, uh, I mean, the drive started out really badly first, second, third <laughs> right. down. It, it wasn't great. Uh, but again, he deserves credit for that throw to Ian Thomas. Uh, but that's just those kind of throws. I feel like now are the anomaly. And I feel like, we just have to accept what he is as a quarterback. And I, I am all for giving quarterbacks like at least three years before we figure out if they're good or not. Uh, certainly you have situations like Josh Allen uh, where he starts out really slowly and then he breaks out his uh, third or fourth year in the league. And the same thing I can, I think you can say for a few other quarterbacks, but I just think right now I, um, you know, Darnold is not part of that group. He has shown nothing to indicate that he will change. Uh, but at the same time, there maybe are some elements to his game where um, you just have to live with the bad. And I still think that there's ways to win games with him. I mean, we, we've seen that the past three weeks. The last three weeks, the games have been once scored games. So to me, I think just the concern, concerning part is that he's not playing well at all. And uh, the circumstances around him are, they are what they are, uh, but he has shown no ability to um, and elevate those issues. No, he hasn't, Billy. I, you're spot on. And, and this is part of the, the issue I think a lot of people had uh, that, that, that sort of look at football in a rational uh, way. I think you and I do this, take the emotion out of it. Let's look at, what they're doing. You mentioned the draft picks that were given up, and you mentioned what the expectations were by a lot of people from this quarterback. I, I, I think we both understood coming in that this was still a bit of a project, and, and that to me was problematic in, in several ways. Number one, 
you're, you've got a pretty decent quarterback draft ahead of you here. And I know that people are making judgments already on what these quarterbacks are. I think that's a little unfair. I really do. Um, they're starting all these guys right now, and each of them are playing at varying degrees. I've seen flashes of really good stuff from all five of them, by the way. Maybe Lance, I think there's some struggles there. I haven't seen much of his tape. But the other four, I, I think you're seeing some things that they like. Are they great? I, I can't say that that would be the case here. But I think like a Mac Jones fits into what McDaniels wants to do, and it's fine. Um, I think. Oh, yeah, I think. We'll see. You know, I I still don't think he's an elite quarterback. No, I think I think if you put Mac Jones in this offense, yeah, they're yes. five and one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of these things. Again, my, my original point to this is just Sam is very much in that boat right now that, you know what, they had quarterbacks there to draft and develop maybe with the same type of physical traits, maybe higher end traits, maybe some better processing, maybe some more pro ready processing. Cause that was the knock on Sam in college that, that I keep going back and looking at is, you know, like a great arm, great cannon, you know, got size, got physicality, but man, he turns the ball over a lot. And I, I just think you just look at why he does. You want to find out why is it, a, is it a problem with protection? Is it a problem with the receivers? Is it a team? We can go circles and circles around him. He was a problem at USC when he had things to work with. It was a problem with the Jets where for a while things were, okay, decent offensively. And then he did lose some people and Gase was not great. But as we talked about with Greg Cosell, we'll get to Greg in a minute because he's got a lot of good info out there about Sam. He's talked to us a bit about this. Greg has talked about, look, when I evaluate players, I, I try to avoid looking at the, you know, the situations, the drama, the, the coaching problems, and I just look at the player, and I try to focus on what he's doing to get himself better, and is he improving? And, and Greg was concerned about that. I, I think he was you know, not overly critical, but he was very fair, whereas I think a lot of the – some people in the media say, it's, oh, it's a revival. It's, it's Sam can come in here, and you know, it's a smaller market, and he's going to just – thrive i just said even those first three games you know the interception he threw against the new orleans saints billy was terrible um so there's I think like a lot of missed reads against the texans too yeah there was and you know he was tough made some good throws under pressure but it's the texans so i mean it's it is what it is i just think in that first play it, it that's all on him and I, you look at the all 22 it's hard to know on that curl route or what it was a deep pivot, whatever the design was of the play with Robbie, the number two read there, it's hard to know what they're seeing or thinking together. I think Robbie's looking and saying, oh, shit, he's still looking over my head at the post. It's 90 yards down the field now. <laughs> I better do something. And so he very effectively gets open. The, the, the corner that's covering actually falls a little bit to the ground. He's got a big play there. But, but Sam is locked in on something, and it's not Robbie. What Sam does from there is he, he pivots his body all the way back to the backside three, which is a bad concept, I think, but that's another story. And that throws his processing even more out of whack. So it's, it's, it's always problematic when you say, you know, we're going to bring in a quarterback with that many draft picks we're giving up. And fifth-year option, yeah, we're good with that. So we're once again, I think, just back in a situation. And look, folks, we're going to get to the offensive line. The, the receivers drop passes. We hear you. We're with you. But it starts with the quarterback. And Billy, I'll say this. Deshaun Watson's going through a lot right now. He's put himself through a lot, I think. Maybe We don't know what his status is. I'm not even speculating he's coming here anymore. We'll, we'll see what happens. But Deshaun, who, who was beaten up more maybe in 2020 
than Deshaun Watson physically. Probably nobody. He took a ton of pain, a ton of hits, and didn't have a great core there. And that guy was continually making key throws under pressure, not under pressure, giving you the physical element uh, of escapability and, and getting bonus yards there. That's what an elite quarterback looks like. What Sam looks like is a guy that even not, – not even to Jake DeLone to this point. He looks like a guy – because Jake would get rattled and throw terrible plays. He'd come back and he'd just throw dimes. Sam just – to me, I, I don't want to – if you're getting to a guy's mentality, I don't know what his headspace is. But you can see processing on tape, and it's just continuing to get exposed. Mike Zimmer's a good coach, Billy. You know that. You, I have a lot of respect for Zim. I know you too. He was ready. And, and you know, they honestly, what Philly did – I'm not a big fan of what Philly's doing, but they rushed four because they knew they had the horses to get home. They played zone. They clamped down and made life hell for Sam. Sam with pressure and reading zone coverages is a bad place to be if you're the Carolina Panthers. So I, I just think, again, we got to open up the show because it just we, we get so lost in what happened in the middle of the game, the run defense, some of the drops. We're going to get to that. But the tempo of that game was set from the very beginning where the defense had to come on the field on the second play from scrimmage to defend a short field, and they did it effectively. And I think if they're not careful, this team is not Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, you know, Cam, Khalil, Jonathan Stewart. They're a young team, and there's maybe a little bit of growth there in terms of who the voices are in that locker room to overcome this. So you hope it doesn't divide the locker room because there, there could be that situation with a lot of teams. But Sam, man, he's got to be better. I just don't know if he can be. So speaking of uh, the offensive line, a uh, couple things I want to mention. His time to throw in the pocket, his average time to throw in the pocket yesterday, according uh, to PFF, and this is not a grade, so you don't have to get mad at them for that. It's just basic data collection, uh, was 2.91 seconds. That would be eighth in the NFL yesterday among 30 quarterbacks who played. So this includes some of the quarterbacks who play like garbage time, like a Brandon Allen in Cincinnati or uh, someone like Case Keenum who came to replace uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, so 2.91 is a pretty good time in the pocket. And, and again, we're on the offensive line because sometimes you can do deeper dropbacks off play action. Um, you can roll a pocket out. But I think that's uh, a very relevant data in, in addition to that, looking at uh, some pass blocking officials, uh, Carolina is 27th in the NFL. So uh, five teams worse than them. Those teams are the last, the Dolphins, the Colts, Titans, and the Saints. I think we can definitively say that three of those quarterbacks who play teams are better. I'm not talking about the uh, Colts with Wentz, Titans with Tannehill, and uh, the Saints with Jameis. Um, you can... You know, Tua, I don't know, he played really well yesterday, but that's probably t TBD. And uh, I think Darnold is probably like a similar type quarterback to Jared Goff. Um, because if you put Darnold on the Lions, and I think they're probably a winless team. And if you put Jared Goff in Carolina, they're probably a three, maybe four win team, but um, same level. So uh, I think what that brings me to here is that this isn't like a defense of the offensive line. I thought Taylor Moten played pretty well, especially against Danell Hunter. Uh, I thought the, um, the other tackle Irving, he had his ups and downs, but overall, like the, the offensive line is it, a problem. It, it's not going to get fixed. You're not going to be able to trade for um, an elite left tackle at this. Season. Even if you do like uh, offensive line play depends so much on continuity. 
it's just it's just no magical fix overnight in my opinion and so I don't think the receivers are going to be are going to have a game like that again. I really don't. And and we've seen these guys play over, you know, thirty games now. These guys they'll bounce back. I'm very confident in that. Uh, but I will say a couple of those throws were uh, very dangerous hospital balls, especially the one to Terrace Marshall, which nearly decapitated his neck. Uh, I know you posted it, and uh, it wasn't yeah. good. Um, and so the thing I want to mention here is there was a game a couple of years or a couple of weeks ago where the Lions were facing the Ravens and Lamar Jackson had you know, three to four touchdown passes dropped, but they still found a way to win that game, albeit it took a crazy way to end it. But they didn't make excuses. They went out there and they did their job. I don't hear Ravens fans, you know, complaining about their quarterback. I mean, they shouldn't. He's obviously a franchise guy and one of the best in the NFL. You shouldn't complain about Lamar at this point. No, no, but I, I should mention that they weren't complaining necessarily about their receiving core. Excuse me. Oh, no, that's true. So I think it's the same thing here. It's just like the receiving core, it's going to bounce back. But if you have a good quarterback who can overcome those things, that just makes your life a little easier, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, your, your point about Jared Goff caught my ear, and I, I keep thinking about you know what he was in Los Angeles – uh, it reminded me a lot of, of what, what, what Sam maybe can do at times. And, and again, maybe just different traits, but in terms of, you know, their limitations, like golf, I, I thought in that NFC championship game made some actual throws that were really clutch and really cool to watch. I, I think he did some things on his own in that game in that final little chunk of the game that got them in position. He was tough. He took a lot of hits. But overall, when you look at the way they structured things with McVay, you know, like McVay had him at the line of, what, 25 seconds and was in his ear and, and was really holding his hand through that. And I just felt, look, if they ever swap places with a, a more elite, talented guy who has maybe a bigger hand to throw the ball, <laughs> golf has got the little hands, you know. I'm not a big hands guy. I just thought, uh, you know, if you talk about golf, you think about the, the Tony Romo hands. But I think to your point, you know, if you put golf here, yeah, I think you're looking at some some things that you had talked about. I think if you put, you know, Sam in Detroit, I mean, you know, what are you going to do there? I just think, to me, uh, it, it just gets back to the, the way you have to evaluate quarterbacks is it's not just, okay, boy, he's getting a lot of pressure. Uh, man, we got to excuse everything. Boy, the offensive line sucks. Okay, it's a free pass, you know. And yeah, you as frustrated as we get, I think, with with some of these coaching decisions and with the front office, I, even these guys are not looking at it that way. Obviously, they didn't with Teddy. They cut him loose after year one because they were sick of him getting hurt and sick of him coming back and making bad decisions. Um, that was not his, his forte was to be smart, structured play efficiently and not make mistakes. And they didn't expect the deep ball from him. Um, they did expect him not to, like, you know, try to reach over like Drew Brees and cost him a game. But once again, I think you know, when you evaluate the quarterback position, you look at, like, Lamar Jackson, guys like that who can overcome things like that. They just have that ability because they are more skilled, uh, not necessarily physically because Sam has some physical traits that I like. It's just the ability to read, react, have a good mental clock going on in terms of, okay, I've felt pressure. I'm used to it. But when I'm not sensing pressure, I'm still sensing pressure. 
I had a scout talk to me the other day about Sam, and he said, you know, the thing about him is he, he's constantly rattled. It feels like when, when you're facing Sam, if you can hit him early, if you can just hit him a little bit, you got him because then he's got the internal clock that's already unwired. And I don't want to be totally unfair to him. I thought he, like you said, he made some good throws in that game. There were a ton of drops. We're going to get to that. But I didn't think too many of those drops were high-impact plays. I don't think too many of those drops would have made a huge impact in the game. I think a couple – I agree with that. I think a couple of those drops were were sort of stad patterns. I think, you know, like the Chuba Hubbard drops – Look, that's, that's Chuba Hubbard. That's just going to happen. He's not a very skilled ball catcher. Um, if McCaffrey's in there, those are probably catches. I get it. Um, but they have who they have right now. Like the, 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 the drop that people gave me grief about that I actually came back and looked at and I said, you know, maybe I was a little harsh on, you know, on, on one side of this here was the, the one to Anderson there in the red zone where he kind of stretched out. Folks were grilling me and say, that's the easiest catch you're going to see, God. you got to make that catch. Especially, and they bring in Co- the, what he's Co- getting paid. Cosell and J.T. O'Sullivan both said it was a bad throw. Well, I, I, I did come back and I, I, I sort of softened my stance, but I, I was very clear that, look, it was a hard ball to catch. And I, I just think the placement on it could have been a little better. I was nice about it because it's Sam and he's working on developing – but at first, I was pretty brutal about it, and I was I was just astonished at how many people were. And I don't mind the vitriol at me. Come, it's funny to me. I laugh at it. I don't take it personal. But damn, just I, I feel bad for these folks because they have no understanding of what they're looking at. I mean, you cannot tell me that that ball was you know where it needed to be. His fingertips were barely on it. It's the same thing we talked about last week with the sprint protection, the four-minute offense. That ball barely touched his fingertips. And people say, oh, if it touches your hands, you got to catch it. Well, no shit. Maybe your palms. <laughs> the tip of your pinky. Regardless, I just, I'm with you. Like, DJ Moore fumbling, you can't that, – that's like shades of 2018 all over again. That's got to stop. Um, but I don't, I don't see an epidemic here. Uh, I'm trying to study this tape and, and, and figure out where, where we are with Robbie. I, Bill, do you think they're doing things differently with Robbie this year? You think is it was it just Teddy and Robbie had a better flow there? What do you is there something that you see different in Robbie's routes or game, or is it a quarterback issue? Because the production's down, there's no doubt. What do you attribute that to from from your eyes so far? Can you put a finger on it? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm I'm seeing him run clean routes. Um, I'm seeing him get open downfield now. Yesterday was obviously a little more concerning. And, you know, credit to him, he came out today and spoke to me and took accountability for it. Uh, so I still think the sample size of what we are uh, evaluating his performance is pretty small. And, you know, wide receivers, they take a little time to really find their stride. And you can't just expect a receiver to have, you know, 75 to 80 yards consistently, especially a guy like Robbie Anderson, who really relies on getting open and not creating separation deep. And so when he's not getting the ball, um, that kind of skews his production. Um, so I'm still seeing a pretty good receiver. He had an uncharacteristically bad day like DJ Moore did too. And I, I think that's just what it is. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you get to look back at like Robbie Anderson's uh, games last year. I'm just trying to get a, a good sense of you know, sort of, you know, just, just add some perspective to, to maybe sort of the narratives out there. It wasn't like every game Robbie was, was out there putting up 
you know, 99, 100, 105, 110 yards. I mean, you would, you know, he got 130, 140-yard day. You end up with a 45-yard day. This is how it happens. So he can get on a roll here. I don't have any doubt. I mean, Robbie's been a very good player for a long time. Um, I don't think he's a one-trick pony, but I think he's a guy that they need to continue to look at because he is getting open. Um, people will tell me, well, the next-gen stats will tell you his separation average is near the bottom of the league. Well, I don't think it tells the full story. And I'm sorry. I don't know what, what they're looking at. But I see tape where Robbie is sneaking out of the back side there on like a wheel, and he's open. I'm seeing, you know, the, the tape against Dallas where he's running the boundary and Sam doesn't put it on him. Um, but, again, you know, we can go the circles about this. It's just – a quarterback who is not very skilled with accuracy and with with, uh, with with field vision, obviously. And with Robbie, it's a guy who wants to get the ball, and he's just biting his tongue right now. The drops, I mean, look, you mentioned it. I, I'm going back. There were certain uh, people who had different sort of counts on how many drops were actually had in that game. I, I think Joe Person had put together a list earlier that there was like maybe eight. Um, yeah, eight, eight is – that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, they all have their own personality. These drops, they're all different. Uh, like, like, Timmy, was the Terrace Marshall, was that considered a drop? I mean, because that was, that was murder ball. I mean, he was, <laughs> that safety took his head off. And, you know, it's hard to know. I know fans look at it. They're like, oh, well, there's another one. And these are the Darnold stands that'll say, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm like, oh, there's another drop. I was like, well, you know, the, the receiver almost got his head taken off, folks. I mean, let's be, be fair here. <laughs> Not all drops are created equal is what I'm saying. So that's, I think, why, you know, that's why ball placement matters. So, like, sometimes when you see, like, a receiver running a slant and you see the quarterback, like, throwing it low and behind him a little bit, like, sometimes people will say, oh, that's an inaccurate throw. No, that's inaccurate, though, because he's protecting the receiver. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And, you know, I think um, in, in the case of that throw, maybe there's something you could look at. And it's, it's an RPO. It's a quick hit. Um, there, there's, a, there, there's a guy who was really on the radio today just railing and, and had a lot of opinions. And we're not going to revisit that because it was pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to promote those ideas. Um, but this game, again, overall, I mean, we just look offensively. You're kind of going through what happened, you know, the, the early – Turnover was really bad in a lot of ways. They rebounded from it, and that's fine. It was a 12 to 10 game at halftime. I, I don't know if I've seen a worse half of quarterbacking, and we said this the week before, I think, but a worse half. I, I remember there's a Bears game. Nate Tice brought this up a while back. He said, What's the worst half of football you've ever seen? The Twitter. I said, The worst half of football I've ever seen was Bears Panthers 2010 when Clawson was going against Julius Peppers when he defected to the Bears. I was at that game. Um, and I think Todd Collins was the other quarterback. And you look at that stat, it was the worst quarterback game I've ever seen. Um, this first half from Sam, and the drops were there too, I get it. But th- there were some just terrible balls. It wasn't just the reads, man. It was the, it was the, it was the pressure, it was the, the accuracy, all that. And we're not going to be a dead horse here, but they did five of 18 and a half of football. I mean, we're going to get to Matt Rule's comments in a minute, but no wonder Matt Rule's running the mic and saying we've got to run the ball like 60 times a game now <laughs> because I think it's like, a, you know, finally maybe an acknowledgement of, you know, to your point earlier, this is – I think you tweeted this. We're paraphrasing, Billy. This is about as much as you can say 
in terms of I'm not happy with my quarterback without actually saying it. And I think they come. Yeah, to whenever, whenever a coach starts going into we have to run the ball more, uh, that's especially during the season. That just that's code for our, our quarterback isn't good. And I don't know, like those comments didn't really surprise me. I, I think a bigger, um, and like an encapsulation of that, can, we can get into right now, and that's the fact that. I don't think they are a good running team. I mean, you can run the ball all you want, but you're, I just don't think they're good. And the reason I don't think they're a good running team is the best running teams in the NFL have good quarterbacks. And the quarterback, because it just, just let's just think about it hypothetically. You don't have a good passing game. So what is a, good, a team going to do? They're just going to stack the box and dare you throw it. Like you can try to throw it with eight guys in the box, but you're not going to be successful because you can't, you're obviously getting the numbers are against you in the box and from a rushing perspective. Um, so like the top 10 teams last year in, in from production standpoint, EPA per play running the ball were uh, the Ravens. Um, I think the, uh, excuse me, I got to bring it back up here. Uh, there it is. Yeah. So the Ravens, the Titans, uh, Patriots, uh, Saints, Packers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Vikings, Washington, and um tampa bay so three of those team or at least i think you can kind of ignore washington that's probably the only one that's an anomaly but they were ninth the other teams uh like let's just say baltimore and new england uh they have very good quarterbacks who can run the ball and sam darnold's not cam newton or lamar jackson um running it and uh, as far as lamar jackson goes he's a very good passer so it helps so he's you know, not only a good quarterback running it, but passing it too. Um, you know, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, they have uh, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Arizona and Seattle, uh, very good quarterbacks, running and passing. Same thing with uh, Minnesota and Tennessee. Yeah, they have Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, but uh, Cousins and Tannehill um, are pretty good uh, uh passers of the football and Darnold isn't even on that level yet. So like it, it's all well and good to be, you know, let's you know try to run the ball more, but you have to have a good quarterback. I mean, let's look at last night's game, Seattle, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Good Seattle example. was running the ball down their Pittsburgh's throats for, you know, a quarter and a half in that second half and really tied the game up. But when Pittsburgh really finally figured out how to stop the run, Seattle had no answers. They only run for like one, two yards. And you know, asking Geno Smith to get dropped back, it didn't work out great. You saw the strip sack by TJ Watt. Um, and I, I think you saw elements of that yesterday too, where you know the Panthers, like their most successful run plays are those outside zones, especially with Hubbard, because he's not very patient at the line of scrimmage. So I was listening to a couple of the pressers uh, on the Minnesota side, and they were just like, Yeah, as soon as we took a ride, they're you know, perimeter runs that kind of made it a little more yeah better for us and totally it, it was a very predictable way to to to, to neutralize Hubbard was to, to to play that edge and I think we've seen a couple of these wide really like the like double wide zones it's like whoa they I, like, I don't I don't I don't mind that I don't mind that because don't mind either. I mean, yeah. Hubbard is not he's not good at running between the tackles. I don't he just isn't. I, I think they key in on it sometimes you're gonna get your five yard losses with that because they're eventually you're you're gonna commit so much to taking that away, you'll see Hubbard in the backfield with somebody in his space because the defense has keyed on it. 
but that's his bread. You got to go get wide, one cut, hit it, and go. Um, but just running so, power inside or, or running gap inside um, with Hubbard is not an effective way to use his skill set. Yeah, and, and I guess it just comes back to my point that like it's it's all well and good that you want to run the ball more, but right now like you don't have a good running back to like a Derek Henry or Dalvin Cook who can pick up those extra yards. You don't have a good quarterback who can help you lighten the box and create mathematical advantages for you to run the ball. So you're just going to run the ball just to run the ball, which I don't think is very smart. And you don't so, have a line to do it either. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, that too. Look at Cleveland. Cleveland's a good example. They're the number one team right now in terms of EPA per play in the rushing game. Um, at least yeah, what I'm looking at here. And, and they, they yeah, obviously, this year, I mean, those, those teams I decided were last year. Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, they, yeah, it's a small sample size, too, but I think we Cleveland is pretty much a mainstay there with Chubb and you know, Bill Callahan, one of my favorites out there. That I would have paid a bounty to have him here right now. But um, they, they've got some great players up front there with, you know, they drafted last year. And, gosh, they, they're just – they're physical. They're good. They're, their technique is sound. And Baker is not exactly, you know, not exactly Tom Brady back there. I mean, Baker does make mistakes and Baker does present challenges – I think he's an okay quarterback. I don't think he's, you know, top 20 or not top 20. He's not top five. He's, that. he's, not like he's average, which is he's better average. than Darnold. Yeah, he's, I, I misspoke there. He's definitely, you know, made that top 10, 15 range. He's better than Darnold. He presents a challenge and presents, you know, the threat of pass. Um, other teams that are doing well in that department, in the Bills, obviously, with Allen, like you said, he gives you – Allen reminds me a lot of Cam, Billy. What they're doing right now with Dable, he's got the same build, maybe not as dynamic, but he's so strong. He can run. He can be a run threat. He's an 11th man. You have to account for on the defense there in terms of an extra run defender, and that opens up an additional running lane or two for guys that are looking to get it done. Tampa, you know, again, a very good offensive line, uh, good backs. A good passer in Tom Brady, obviously, great weapons on the perimeter, and that gives them the freedom with an EPA perspective to be one of the top teams. Look at the bottom of the league. I mean, Carolina's right there at the sort of the middle there in the rushing, the passing there on the sort of the, uh, you know, the, the zero flat line. Um, teams that, that are not very good in that department, you know, you look at teams like the Falcons, so you get a team like Cordell Patterson back there, you know, and you got the, the Dolphins that have had trouble at you know, quarterback here, in and out. The Texans obviously are a mess. So I think you're right. I mean, it, it all comes down to, to complimentary football, to having, you know, you can't just say, look, I'm going to run it 31 to 33 times a game, and that's our formula, and that's who we are, and we are re- reinventing ourselves. That sounds like college speak. It sounds like you're trying to, to do a rah-rah speech in a presser. I, I didn't have a lot of problems with the press conference, honestly. I don't have a real problem with that, other than the fact that if I'm going to do something tactically – I, I don't want to really talk about it too much to the media. I just am not going to go down that road. Uh, I, I think it's okay to provide some details to the press. I think the press deserves to hear details. But you're getting into some areas there that I think are not going – there's nothing about talking about this does anybody any good. <laughs> it's just – it could come back to hurt you later. And it could, it could also be one of those things that teams now understand, hey, he is serious. Okay, boy, they are really keying in, and they're going to go run heavy. So let's let's plan around that. I think they'll plan around the tape, not around his comments, but we'll see. One thing that, that reminds me, you know, our conversation with Cosell. We'll get off this in a second. I know you got some other things you want to get to. Our, our conversation with Brett Cosell on the podcast. I posted it today. You guys can listen to it. I go back to this clip a lot. Uh, he had talked about his understanding of Matt Rule's, you know, philosophy, and he knows Matt pretty well. Had had mentioned us that look, like defiantly 
Matt will want to run the ball. Matt does not care who the offensive coordinator is. He, you know, Joe Brady is the OC. Fine, whatever. Matt Rule wants to run the ball. Matt Rule wants to win the ball. And I kept thinking about it in the offseason. You know what? We get around to the regular season here. What will be the identity of this offense? I agree with Matt. I think they've had an identity crisis. I, I don't think they have really, really found themselves here. Early in the season, I think it was kind of, okay, Sam is well insulated. McCaffrey's going to catch a, a – ton of balls he's going to get 30 touches i don't think that's sustainable he gets hurt now what do you do obviously the passing game is complicated you can't quick outlet the ball to mccaffrey running the ball is fine one quote i found from an article from the new york times a while back was about rex ryan and again rex goes back to parcells parcells is a big you know guy that, that matt has talked about looking up to and and this quote was almost similar to, to what we heard today, Rex Ryan believes, and this is called the New York Times quote, Rex Ryan believes that rushing attempts are more important than rushing yards, which I, I understand what he's trying to say there, but I don't agree with it completely. Quote, they go on to say they shoot for at least 31 rush attempts per game. Those runs combined with pass completions will keep the chains and clock moving, keep the defense off the field. Then when you include excellent special teams, give the Jets the best chance for victory, that's assuming special teams are going to be great, by the way, which they aren't always. That's the problem I have with this. It's like we're going to ask Sam to do only so much, and everything else will be great. When coaches cite that 25 or plus, it's, yeah, like you're going to be usually winning in those situations. And But of if course. you're down like, you know, a touchdown or something, you got to throw. So Yeah, no, I get that. Totally. I, I'm good with that. But I just think overall it, it gets back to what he said, we need to reinvent our identity. Um I, it sounds like a man who wants to get back to doing something that he wanted to do all along, which is um, play a different brand of football than we've seen. What that looks like, I don't know. Um, I like running the ball. I'm not anti-running it. I, I'm, I'm probably more pro pound the rock than most people are out there these days. But I just think if you run it well, if you like you, your point of interview, I'm watching Henry right now, again, running the ball. <laughs> if you have a Henry and that's your offense, make it happen. Run it or run it right through his ass. Run and make him the centerpiece of what you do. Uh, I don't know. Carolina's not equipped to run it 31 times a game right now, but they're also not equipped to run it uh, less than that because they can't pass it 40 times a game with what they have. I guess, like, you know, I, I mentioned John Fox one more time. What he did in 0 2, he knew he had just dog crap on offense. Um, so they just tried to shorten the game and get through it and let their defense dominate. That's why they were 7 and 9. Went bad, was better, but it was a very vanilla, milk toast type of approach. Look, hey, let's shorten the clock. Let's bleed that clock. Let's run it 30 a game if we can, and let's limit our mistakes. And, um, I guess that's where they are, Billy. I guess that's where Matt views the team and where, where we can kind of agree with him a little bit that I don't want Sam throwing it 40 times a game. Um, obviously, you don't want to get it to a drop-back game, but strive for some balance. I think that's probably the best thing at this point. Panthers fans, football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Panthers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? Well, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, 
TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Look, there's storylines all over the place for the Panthers this year at Bank of America Stadium. Between the offense clicking, the defense playing lights out, be there to see it all. Visit TickPick.com Roar today and use the promo code Roar to save $10 on your first order of Panthers tickets. That's TickPick.com Roar, promo code Roar. Um, so that's, you know, offensively, uh, you, of course, Billy stopped me if you're missing anything from the offense, but I thought we might transition uh, to what happened on the other side of the football here. Obviously, there's a lot to unpack from this game, and we won't get to all of it, um, but we'll get to as much as we can. Defensively, look, um, if you look at the stat line here, tackle leaders, we're going to talk about this first guy, Keith Taylor. I thought he was excellent. I know you did too. Ten tackles combined, uh, three PDs, one forced fumble. He was all over the field. Uh, Carter looked pretty good on the stat sheet. Didn't look real good in the run fields at times. Nope. Chin, Chin was kind of quiet. Didn't really make the impact play we wanted. He made a pass defense. He had seven tackles, two assists, nine total. Chandler again, the big play at the end. Uh, Reddick, I, I look. I thought Reddick played very well. Again, I just he continues to get in the backfield, make plays. He had three TFLs in that game. He was active again. Maybe not as much as he had been. Uh, they registered three quarterback hits according to NFL.com's game book. Uh, some of the metrics are different the way they measure that elsewhere. Um, Brian Burns, Billy, uh, we have to talk about Brian Burns. Look, I, I don't know what to make of it completely. I haven't seen the defensive tape yet because I don't have my hands on it. I'm looking at the offensive tape today. Uh, from the game itself, I mean, last week I think he did a pretty decent job in terms of their design of what they wanted to try to do, netting you know, the Hurts run. Right. This week, his snap counts, I know they played – the percentage of his snap counts are down, by the way. Uh, that, I found that interesting overall. He's in the 70s right now, and I know they had a lot of snaps in that game. But um, what, what do you see with Brian Burns, Billy? Help me out here. I, I, I don't know what to make of what I'm looking at. Yeah, so I just think yesterday was an uncharacteristically poor day for him. I mean, you're going to get into rookie – making his first start in the NFL. And, you know, I'm obviously a big fan of Darisaw I was before the draft, but uh, th- this is a game where Brian Burton's needs to show up. I mean, you're not really defending Cousins, um, you know, in a very specific way like you would Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Just get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Take him to the ground. Uh, obviously, you know, they got pretty fortunate at the end there where the kicker missed a field goal in regulation. But, I mean, you got to bring Kirk to the ground. Don't strip the ball. Like, what, what are we thinking in that situation? I mean, you're, you're fortunate that he's been tied. Like, uh, don't just, just play smart football. Yeah. And this just gets back to a point about this team and its game management. Like, they don't play smart football right now. Like, that, those two timeouts by the quarterback at the end of the first half, I mean, my goodness, was that oh just nuts. Oh, we got to talk. And so, like, it's easier for me to blame Brian Burns for that. And I did on Twitter. But, like, I, I just think it comes down to this team just not being very well-coached in situational aspects. And it just, I, I don't know what they're teaching them in these sort of areas that would allow you to make these sort of mistakes. Just, I mean, I mean it's Kirk, Kirk Cousins. It's not like you're bringing down Ben Roethlisberger or Josh yeah. Allen. Kirk is a pretty easy guy to sack. Let's just put it that way. Exactly. And, and Cousins he gets like, rid of the ball quick, but when, when you have him in your sights, he's got to go to the ground. Yeah, no, it, that was inexcusable. And I just uh, – in other areas yesterday, you know, he this was a game that he really should have 
uh, you know, really stepped up and take the game to your opponent. Do it. I mean, if you want to be one of the best defensive players, you know, if I look at TJ Watt, what he did to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. look at that or what he did to Seattle. I mean, and I think Brian Burns can reach that level and that's, what's just, uh, you know, you have to hold, we have to hold them to a higher standard. I feel like, and it's, it's very just disappointing um, to see that, but you know, maybe Burns can rebound and, uh, you know, get better from that. But I, I was pretty disappointed with it. I, honestly, I was disappointed with it. I, I just think we, we have to realize the safeties, this has been an issue that I've been uh, harping on since April. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Even with Justin Burris, it's not a good unit. Uh, I, I think the only player in defense that honestly deserves any plaudits is Keith Taylor. Yeah, I thought Taylor was outstanding, really. I mean, I was, during the game, even, I was seeing that. I had the tape on me. I know you posted a couple things about Taylor. Man, that the way he stuck on Thielen on that slant down there to the goal line was outstanding. I mean, that in the coverage he had there on the on on the boundary and the goal line, I mean, out near the end zone, you couldn't cover that any better. I mean, this is just the, the Vikings just caught everything. <laughs> it's a game of 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 two two different stories here. The Vikings caught every tough pass thrown to them. I mean, contested catch. Couldn't see shit in the guard there. And, and Thielen comes down with a, a remarkable play. Uh, Jefferson had a couple of these too. And then Carolina's just, again, to their credit, you know, Sam threw some bad balls, but these guys did drop some easy passes at times. So, I mean, you, you got to help your quarterback. That's the difference in that game in a lot of ways. There's a lot of different, but I mean, Thielen doesn't make that play. Or Jefferson doesn't make a couple of plays here and there down the boundary. Um, could swing a different way, but I mean, just I, I thought Taylor to your point. I mean, we John, we said it before the game. These guys are elite. They're an elite duo. They're going to get their yards. Oh, it, they're going to get them. That, that I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about guys like their tight ends and Osborne like going off. Yeah, and that was unfortunate. I, I saw a fan angle of that play. I don't know if you saw it was on Twitter. Some fan right at the the corner. It was a great camera shot of what happened, um, and you could just see. The conflict there, and 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 Chandler, I I, I my heart sank for when I saw it because he was toast. And Kirk got rid of that thing. It was a beautiful ball, um, easy money, and that was a really devastating way to end a game that was so hard fought. Uh, but again, it comes back. You mentioned Burns. I mean, he's got to be better. He's got an opportunity. Burns had mentioned after the game that you know, he, and he was very you know accountable to it. He's in shit. I just screwed up. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to end the game there. I wanted to get the strip sack. And he's very good at that. But from that angle, I guess, you know, you look back and say, just bring him down, uh, live the play another down. And, uh, you know, you're playing pretty well overall. Yeah, and it's like the thing about (laughs) the thing thing is, John, and the thing is, Jay, like, I I just feel like it's very easy for us to, like, point out, like, these dumb mistakes that happen, like, by individuals. But, like, at the end of the day, it comes down to just coaching, man. Very much so. Like you know, like I already mentioned, the Darnold penalty, the well, inability of Burns to get him down. Like what? Like just they need to be better. Like and, and don't get me started. There were some other game management blunders that were added to Matt Rule's resume yesterday that were just ridiculous. Like fourth and goal from the five. Yes, you you need two scores, but I mean the win probability. <laughs> from that standpoint, says you should be going for it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear. You. At the time, I mean, look, and they had to, what, what they had to pull off at the end to make that all look like it worked was a miracle. So, to your point, just you know, yeah. it, it, it was. If you go for it, I guess the, you know, I, you, you, a lot of people live 
in a very data-driven world, but you're very reasonable, Billy. That's what I like about working with you is it's not just numbers. I mean, the analytics people, for the most part, very reasonable if you just discuss things out. And I don't want to label people analytics people. I don't view you that way, Billy. I view you as a football guy who likes to use data to make decisions and to analyze. And I, I, I try to look at it the same way. I'm not as smart as you on this front, but I just say to myself, you know what? Okay, the old me would have said, you know what? Of course, kick the field goal. Then you know you're within one possession and you can worry about it later. The worry about it later thing I've kind of gotten away from. It's like, the worry about it now. Okay, so you're in prime position there. Score now, get the eight, and then you know what you got to get later is three, and you're in a better position to run a more fluid offensive series at that point. If you don't get the eight, you go turnover on downs, well, you're not going to win anyway. Um, Too sure. Out, but, you know. <laughs> it's the same thing that – it's the same thing that – that Packers game last year where they did that crazy and inexplicable stuff. I can't, I just don't even want to talk about that again. <laughs> Remember where they oh, like oh, yeah. punted it back to them, did something. Totally. Weird. Yeah, totally. Punted it back. Yeah. Right. I, I, I totally remember that. How can I forget? That was one of the, the, the most infuriating games in terms of management. And I did the, again, the, the, the Bridgewater over the top stuff, the lack of communication in terms of what play to run there. There was confusion about, you know, Joe was upset about something. Matt didn't think that's their best brand of football. Teddy's out there. It feels like freelancing. It's just – that's a coaching thing, man. We can blame Teddy all we want and Sam, all these guys. The back-to-back timeouts thing was just it, it, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, look, I don't recall a game in Carolina where I've, I've seen a team penalized, you know, in a key situation, nonetheless, for calling back-to-back timeouts. I've never seen it. I've seen it with Chris Webber in the Final Four. It sort of remind me of – I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Matt and the, and the presser, you know, he's very fair. You know, he's saying we got to coach better. But he's very clear about, you know, Alex Erickson was, was part of the problem there. He wasn't lined up right. And, you know, Sam didn't know what to do. So he wasn't – so Sam is not supposed to call timeouts. We learned that today, that Sam is prohibited from that, it sounds like. At least Matt made the point. I think he paraphrasing thing. Matt – or Sam – does not have timeout responsibilities. He doesn't, he doesn't call timeouts. But in that case, he did because he sort of saw something he didn't like. Um, Matt I mean, Rule that, says, yeah. Joe, Joe Person tweeted, Matt Rule says with two wide receivers in second quarter, Alex Harrison was lined up wrong out of timeout, prompting Sam Darnold to take a second. It's out of a timeout. That's a bit, and, you know, Matt talked about we had guys hurt, this and that. And Joe, I think somebody pressed him on this again, and, and the coach had a bit of a hard time, I think, at first sort of saying – Look, I, I, I'm the coach. I, this is unacceptable. we got to clean this up. It's terrible. I, I, I felt bad about it. We should all feel bad about it. But we're sort of trying to figure out, well, you know, we had guys hurt coming in. Terrace, you know, had the head injury, this and that. And Alex is, you know, no, shy was in there. He's, I, I don't want to hear all that. Just fix it. It's terrible. It's bad football. And it's costing this team an opportunity to win games. It doesn't have to take three or four years, Bill. I mean, it's a pretty good team. These things can't happen, though. Yeah, usually you see teams, the reason when they go through a rebuild is because of talent deficiencies. But, yeah. I mean, these are some just comical mistakes. Right. And what I expected, what I was hoping, is if the, the rebuild, and I'm not making a blanket judgment, but these are isolated situations that do add up. If you're going to take this approach and claim that it's going to be a three-, four-year process – and your coach of choice is Matt Rule, and indeed he is a college coach, and this does not work very often, bringing a college staff to the NFL. There's not a big precedence for it. Pete Carroll was a pro coach, by the way, before USC. Uh, but that was part of my concern. I don't think it's impossible to go from the Big 12 to the NFL and learn how to manage a game. I don't. I think it's a little overrated. 
thinking that it's impossible to do that. But you know who you know you know who is an adjustment issue there. But you know who one of the best coaches in the NFL was at managing a game. Cool. And I heard this on a podcast. Jeff Fisher, hmm. Chris Long. Um, if you're he, you know, I'll do a a plug for his podcast. Blue Wire, it's a yeah. Blue Wire family. Um, he said that Jeff Fisher, for all the jokes people made about him, I mean, the guy he really understood how to manage a game. And the thing about managing a game, like I've said already, John, it's not about just going for fourth downs. It really isn't. It's to me, it's the clock management stuff, the stuff we talked about with. Um, you know, John Fox and stuff like that. And it's just, I don't, I just, I don't know like why these sort of issues continue to come up, man. And it's just, it's tiring. Well, like, yeah, like my thing about Fox, Fox coached in that same era as Fisher. And I can remember some, some Tennessee games where, man, did Fisher, they came into to, to Carolina week five or six, 2003, that was Carolina Super Bowl year. And, and they were buttoned up, man. They had everything tidy. Um, so yeah, Fisher gets trolled a lot. I get it. But man, when they were rolling in Tennessee, uh, it, it was a clean machine in terms of how they operated in terms of clock management. Uh, one of the things, again, I'll reiterate this from last week, Fox, you know, for all of the flaws he might've had really had a nice structure in terms of his staff. Uh, he had Jim Skipper, who was a very well-respected running backs coach, but was also the assistant head coach at the time. Deshaun Foster has talked about this. So it's Kerry Colbert on Twitter with me. We've gone back and forth about, you know, their playbook. I got a peek at their 05 playbook, and they talked about some of the clock management keys, and there's pages and pages of it. And I said, this is, you know, the Dan Henning offense. And <laughs> Foster chimed in and said, that was Jim Skipper all the way. It wasn't Fox. It was, it was, it, Skipper was like, they, he was always beside Fox. And when you get down to like a two-minute situation, he would say, all right, clock, you know, look, if we get down here situationally and they're out of timeouts, they, they, we just kneel and it's over. They, it's just little things like that to think about. Uh, there was also a clip too, Billy, if you remember this in the preseason where Greg Olson was basically having to coach Ron Rivera on clock management <laughs> in the preseason. It was like, he was mic'd up for sound and Will Greer was wanting like a two-minute drill. And Ron was kind of behind on, on understanding where they were. And Greg's out there screaming you know, like, a, like a coach. And I think he'd be a good one. Clock management is so important. It's vital. The play clock stuff, Billy, too. I just, I, I don't, do you, Folks have asked me all day about this. You know, why, why does Carolina seem now for two years in a row to, to, to be, you know, getting up to the line with, you know, maybe it's not up to the line, but maybe they're breaking the huddle late. I don't know what it is, but it just seems to be not a theme, but too often, especially with these quarterbacks, especially with Sam who needs time, you know, pre-process. Um, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, is this something you see as maybe a little bit of an issue? I really don't. I mean, I just think they're just not good at it. And I don't know what can be done to be fixed. Like, I, I really don't. Yeah, because when you say issues, I mean, I've heard you mention this the past couple of weeks. I think fans and listeners might have, you know, issues with us as far as how we present this. So I'm just trying to be as detailed as possible. You've given out some pretty good evidence-based stuff that leads back to what you say. You've, you've backed it up. I just, I'm curious to know, it's hard to know from tape or anything, I'll talk to some people. I know a few people that know people in the building. I'll try to figure it out. But this is – good teams don't operate where you are bleeding down to like five seconds on the play clock in a routine part of the game um, unless you're trying to run a four-minute offense and using every second. That's not what they're doing. They're still lining people up with six, five seconds, and they're burning timeouts. 
I don't know. I just think it's one of those basic coaching points situationally where like a guy like Belichick for as bad as he's been lately, like, oh boy, some of it, like the game yesterday, man, he is just like not a very good coach when it comes to situational football anymore. Um, but situational elements that he had stressed over the years that were very effective did end up giving them some wins in the margins. And I, I think Carolina is losing games in the margins right now because of that. And it's the opposite of what you talked about, how important the margins were for this team who is trying to learn and grow and all that. Your head coach has to be better equipped to, to help guide you through that. Um, it's frustrating, man. I just These are things you can watch from the couch and say, what's going on? I mean, it, it should be an embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, I have... I... I'm not calling for anybody's head. I'm, it's, I'm not stupid. He's got a seven-year contract. Was he my first choice? No, he wasn't. Am I okay with him being here? It's fine. My job's not to love the guy or hate the guy. My job's to look at what's happening and try to project what might happen down the road. And right now, I mean, look, whose idea was Sam Darnold? I mean, was this a good idea? Do you think it was a good idea? I didn't even I, – I, I ignored all the Darnold's uh, trade – I ignored the Donald trade when it happened. I didn't speak it on Twitter for this very reason. I mean, I'm not trying to start shit. I, I don't, we can go in circles about it. I, I did not like the idea at the time. I scratched my head at it. I tried to be positive and look at things that could come from it. But you're throwing him into this blender with this offensive line and hoping he can reconstruct. I'm tired of taking other people's broken down homes and fixing them up every year. And I know it's only year two, but it's like it's like Dan, the Bob, the Bob Vila home improvement special. It's almost like this is just Matt's mo. It's like I'm going to take guys down on the luck or guys that look like they need a lift, and I'm going to be the one to bring them up. I did it at Temple. I did it at Baylor. This is my calling card. It's the one thing I asked people about Matt Rule when he came in. I said, "What do you like most about Matt?" I heard people raving about this coach. What is it about Matt? Is it his offensive schematics? Is it, is it you know, his toughness, his coaching? Is it, you know, and people would say, well, he just, he, he's a winner. And he builds everything back up that's broken. And that's not good enough for me. I need to know specifically what his role will be and where he will elevate. Um, it's not a knock on Matt. He's very well compensated. He's got thick enough skin to work here. He ever hears this show, by the way. Matt, congratulations for making it to the NFL. It's a hell of an accomplishment. But this is Charlotte, not New York. You're, you're okay. We're, you're being treated very fairly. And I don't think he's complained at all. Um, this is more for the fan base. Just take a step back and relax when I criticize your coach. It's not me trying to fire the guy. Go, go for it. Get paid. I'm all for it. You made this point last week. What does Matt Rule do? What's his job? He doesn't call plays. He might now with some run game coming. <laughs> well, he, he did. He did also say that, and I hope this kind of clears it up. That he has the ability to, um, you know, call into the play set and disagree with the play call. And you know what? Who mentioned that last week? Me. We talked about this, and I raised my hand. And I said, you know, you got to wonder at times with with what Matt Rule's role is. Does he have veto say? Or how much input does he have? And that kind of leads me back to maybe where he and Joe are at right now. Joe, he said they're fine together, and Matt said there's no issues. Of course, he's going to say that. Uh, there's a lot of job openings coming up. <laughs> Joe's a hot commodity, whether people agree with it or not. I, I don't want this thing to end poorly. I just, I just want this to write the ship, and I want this to work. Um, 
give me some reason to believe that you're on the right path. Quit trading for Sam Darnold and trying to, to fix her up again. I mean, we can't go back. I'm not, you know, it's, it's not a hindsight 2020 thing. And we were there in front of it, but you know, people get mad when we talk about what we were right about. So sorry. <laughs> and you know, what if Sam turns out to be a hall of famer, Billy, we'll be wrong. And that's fine too. I would love to be wrong. Um, defensively overall back to that. I mean, just you know, we've got a little bit of time here left. Uh, the run fits were not good, Billy. I think they're missing Shaq a little bit. I, they, they were Matt talked about this day. The tape shows that they, they were in eight man boxes and they were still getting pushed around. Um, is there anything on the defensive side that, that you see as a possible point of concern in terms of, okay, you know what? They started out really nicely here. It was great. Good story, but they're going downhill. Or do you think they're, I guess more like me, they're going to write the ship and be a pretty good unit throughout the year. I think they're going to be a pretty solid to good unit. I just think that in the back end, they have some issues because that I don't think their safeties are particularly, um, they don't have the capacity to make up for some, uh, coverage bus in the secondary. Like, let's just, um, you know, that Trevon Diggs touchdown that you saw yesterday or the P- Patriots uh, double move touchdown that Trevon Diggs gave up. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, corners are going to get beat. Like, it's probably, you know, quite a lot of times, especially in man coverage. Yeah. So, you're going to be asking for safety help. And I just don't think that uh, this safety help is going to really, uh, really calm for some of the corners who do get beat. I, I just, I think they're probably the definitely a below average to not good duo in the league right now. And that, I mean, Hey, they're undrafted guys. You can't really complain. No, I mean, you know, you're Franklin and, and Chandler, both I'm glad they Chandler impressed me a lot, but a lot of what they did early on, they're not blitzing as much. Um, Matt talked about that. I, I noticed, I think you noticed that they're, they're playing a little less, uh, a little less man. They're playing a little less blitz. Double A gap stuff is sort of quieted down. Uh, I, 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 I looked at the Cle- – I know these are different teams, and I get it, but the, the Cleveland tape against Minnesota, I watched that thing from start to finish, and I, I was really impressed by their defensive game plan against Minnesota. They played better in the run fits. They played better with the run keys. They tackled with consistency. Um, I, I, I don't think they attacked – as much as they maybe should have in that game. Uh, I, I don't know what you saw. I haven't seen the defensive tape yet. I've just looked at the broadcast. I can't nitpick too much, uh, but I don't want them to get away from what they're good at. And I think where they're good is creating chaos up front. Problem is, Billy, I can say that, but then you're, you're sort of hamstrung now with Horn out. Gilmore's coming in soon. I don't know when that's going to be. They're saying maybe this week, maybe not. He'll be rusty. I mean, just be ready for that. The J.C. Horn loss was huge, right? I mean, that, that's a big one. I certainly do think it is, uh, but I, I'm also just wondering, like, it, it's just really hard to play defense in the NFL. Coach Vass said it right. Playing defense is hard. Yeah. And, you, you know, the – I guess the kind of benefit of college and high school players and why – uh, so many of these coaches that you follow on Twitter, why they love college defenses so much and because of complexities, it's, you know, those players are with their coaches for a while. I mean, they're under their control, yeah, um, yeah. just the practice time and the amount of time they're with them. And in the NFL, it's not like that. So the coverages and just their overall concepts, while it's still very um, complex to the casual, it it's still like a watered down version of what you're seeing at the college and high school levels. 
And I just think like in 2021, in order to have a successful team, like you have to have a good offense. Everyone was hyping up this Buffalo defense. What just happened tonight? They gave up 34 points to uh, the Titans. So, yeah, right. so, so to me, and that's not like the Buffalo, they're still a good defense, but um, having a good defense only matters if you have a good offense. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, again, I got back in the time machine a little too much. A um, few points on this. The O2 Panthers, this is a different era of football, too, so keep that in mind. The O2 Panthers had the second-ranked defense with, with Del Rio running, a very good defensive unit. They had a lot of talent on that team, but their secondary was really bad. The corners were really bad, but they got pressure. They stopped the run. They were great against the run. Uh, they beat some pretty decent teams at times. They were competitive with the, the, the Bucks twice. Um, but that defense was outstanding. The offense was terrible. It was Rodney Pete, and Lamar Smith, who got suspended, and Moose was good. Smitty was good, but not great quite there yet. I, offensively, they added pieces. They got Stephen Davis the next year, Ricky Prohl. Jake obviously was able to come in and elevate them. Um, he was not elite by any means at that point, but he did a good job in the clutch and made really good deep throws and read the field very well, I thought. Uh, but to, that's to your point. I mean, look, you can have all the defense in the world you want, but how many times do you end up with a Brian Billich situation where you're the offensive genius and you're riding, you know, Robbie, uh, not Robbie, uh, what's his name? God's defensive coordinator. Ray, it's the same, Ray Lewis. Uh, Marvin Lewis was the uh, coordinator. Uh, you ride those coattails, basically, and, you know, Billich did a good job leading them. I'm taking credit away. But the, you're not going to see a Trent Dilfer-led Super Bowl team very often anymore maybe ever. Um, it's just a different animal right now. Teams that are offensively deficient um, are, are just not equipped to compete at that level. And, and Billy, I just thought, you're looking back at the point per game, you know, totals. I think you mentioned Caroline's still plus 22, right? <laughs> In the net. It's hard to believe after what we saw, but uh, the defense is, I think, still giving up under like 20 points a game, 22. That's remarkable in this day and age to be given up around 20. It used to be the standard was like a really good defense was around 15 a game. Now it's if you're if you're hovering around 21, you're you're pretty elite. So hey, anyway, I, I think you're right. The safeties are, are just even when Burris comes back. I mean, people have said, well, they're getting Burris back. Yeah, Burris, not not the answer here. We <laughs> saw so that's good, but he's not he's not Ed Reed. So I do worry about you know the the run defense with Shaq out and and you know Shaq has played very well, but I don't think it all starts with him. I think you know Burns has to be better. You know, we like Brian. You like, like Stanley McClover. And we talked about this. You know, there's nothing personal. Stan's going to be first to tell you. You know, Brian be first to tell you. That's a business. And uh, none of these guys should take any of this to offense. Uh, Morgan Fox, I, I didn't, you haven't seen quite the impact from him, I don't think, in terms of, you know, the splash plays. It was just a bonanza early on. I think we got a little spoiled. You start 3-0, and and the defense looks like the O2 or the, uh, the O2 Panthers and the 2000 Ravens. But they're really not, and we knew that, and we knew the level of competition. The Saints were ravaged with, like, their half their staff was gone because of the hurricane, or COVID, I think it was, yeah. Uh, the Jets are putrid offensively. Um, and, and, you know, of course, Houston, it's just not a very good team. So, I think after that podcast with Houston, when they made the, the Anderson trade, you, you were spot on. You said, look, <laughs> they, they got a lot of injuries in that game, and they got a tough stretch coming up, and Dallas would be a big test, but just – 
understand that, you know, this team lost three in a row last year and it could happen again. And or they won three in a row last year and they could, you know, fall off whatever you said. It was spot on. Um, but, yeah, the Osborne play at the end, that was it. Uh, you know, and, again, Patrick Peterson injured in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I thought he – I thought he looked good. His course looked very good for, for Minnesota. It's, once again, Carolina has to manufacture first downs. They got to move the chains and they, they can't afford to drop ball. Sam's got to be a better quarterback than he is right now. And uh, I don't know where they're going to go from here, Bill. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, these next two games are games they should win. I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree that they should go on the road take care of business against the Giants team that's not playing well and a Falcons team that you should also beat new coach, new regime. Um, They're kind of like in a transition season. I I will be disappointed if they didn't go five and three. I mean, at this point, you're just looking for growth in certain areas, but let's just say if we do this podcast next Monday and we're talking about another loss, Oh, it's terrible. I'm not sure what we're going to, how well, we're I, going to address it. And it's how you lose too. If it's the same song and dance where there are, are there tactical things going on, strategic things that, that are just fundamental stuff like double timeouts, uh, clock management, the inability to, to trust your, your offense to, to run on a, you know, a fourth and five or whatever you, 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 you're before. The, the pre-halftime coming out of halftime stuff, make some adjustments. I mean, for God's sake, it's a trend now, Billy. I mean, this team sucks coming out of halftime. And, yeah, I, I can't say for sure that it's an issue with adjustments, but it's, it's been going on for a while, man. It's, they've had one good game coming out of halftime, and it's been Houston. And it's happened last year, too. So, I mean, just show me that you can, you know, Take a team that you're better than and, and, and not beat yourself. That's all I said last week. Don't beat yourself. DBO sign starts at the top. And, you know, just people on Twitter or wherever. It's, Twitter's not real life, but, you know, it's a reflection of it. And there's fans out there that will defend their team all the way to, to the ends of the earth. And I, I respect them for that. Hell, I love it. But, uh, you know, just understand that where we're coming from, Two people that have followed this team for a long time, probably a lot longer than some of these people that are chewing us out. Most of the feedback's been good, but it's not about us, but you guys, it's about the team. And we're just trying to provide a very clear view. Billy and I don't always agree either, but we both kind of see the game similarly in terms of, okay, you know what? If this coach is costing us games, or if there are things going on in this game from a coordination perspective that are costing this team games, you got to look at that, and you got to look at who decides who's on this field right now. Who decided about Pat Elfline, Cam Irving? Who decided about Sam Darnold? Somebody that came at me last night was like, "Why is it that you always blame Matt Rule for Sam Darnold, but you don't blame Scott Fitterer?" I mean, I don't know. Fine, they're all at fault. <laughs> okay, is that what you want? Everybody's at fault. But it, we're, we're what week seven coming up? Let's see what happens. If they beat the Giants, at this point, I don't even care if it's a one-point win. Just get a win. Get a win in the win count. And uh, show me you're a competent enough team to go on the road against a bad team and win. And then you mentioned Atlanta coming up. Then you get the Patriots at home. That'd be fun. 
Mac Jones, go Belichick. I'll be there. No, I will. Um, so, yeah, 28 to 20, 209 to play. Panthers had to go 98 yards to force overtime. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, Bill. I just wanted to touch on that drive. I, I thought, to your point, the first three plays of that drive were, you know, emblematic of what they'd done all game. It was three, you know, drops, bad passes, whatever. They run in all seams with five. Um, I'm not even sure Thomas was the best read there, but he got past the backer and they, they made it work. So I'm not going to nitpick there. Sammy gets a nice scramble there. Emotionally, I thought that was fun. We talk so much about stats, EPA. It's important to look at the emotion of the game, too. It was fun to see, you know, Matt Rule pumping his fist at the end. And, you know, these things we've been missing for a while here to see a competitive type of situation late in the game where they actually rise up and do it, Billy, on a last-minute drive before the game to tie it. That was a pretty, pretty damn good sequence there. But the emotion. Can, can I just say something about that? Uh, yes, uh, just one more thing. The emotions do wear down off that. <laughs> I think uh, maybe you're going in this direction. I just wanted to make it clear that for a minute yesterday, it, it did feel like old times. It's fans in the stands. The emotional side of me said, you know what? It was a really rotten game. These last two minutes, last four minutes, are something you can maybe bottle up and grow from. I still do feel that way. Those situational moments, you can get better as a team from showing that you can do that. But I'm done overstating it. They lost in the end because they screwed up way too much. And it got to the point where they had to rally from 11 down with, what, four and a half minutes to play. You shouldn't be having to do that. Yeah, and I think of throw some shit at Teddy Bridgewater. Well, or also a similar situation where that game against the Vikings, he took the team down the field after the Vikings scored a touchdown in like 20 seconds and got them in field goal range and Joey Sly missed. So the idea that Teddy did this is kind of, yeah, he didn't do it enough, but um, let's try to slow down the horses here, okay? You know, Teddy has his own, um, you know, he, he's working through whatever he's working through in Denver and you know, Carolina stuck with Darnold. So I don't really think those criticisms are fair uh, towards Bridgewater because he did put us in the position to win uh, against Minnesota. And uh, again, Darnold did very well in that final drive. Like there's no doubting that. Um, But was this for the other 59 and a half minutes. It's my dog barks at me in in disgust. (laughs) He knows you're right. Sparky always knows you're right, Billy. Um, if, if I felt this was like the, the, the birth of a, a, a new thing here, I'd be much more like, okay, let's talk about this throughout the week. What a great drive that was and how transcendent that was in the moment. Look, it was just important for me to say, you know what? griped all day on Twitter and rightfully so, but those last two drives to me were pretty cool. And I just left it at that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, I'm not anointing Sam, nor, nor would I spend too much time tearing down, Teddy Bridgewater. And if I did that just now, that's certainly what the intent. I just think back to what happened here with Teddy. Um, Sam has not reached a point where I feel any much better long-term. So let's be clear about that. Is he willing to throw it deeper? I, I, I know Teddy's throwing a deep lot right now. I missed a lot in that last game. It was bad. But Sam is not exactly, you know, Joe Montana in terms of placement on 50 40, 30-yard passes. Um, 
so yeah, I just it was cool. It's a cool moment. I just thought, you know, you can't. It was a stadium that. Another thing we can talk about one day, Billy, that you know our, our friend salesman on Twitter. This guy is a, and I know you don't get down to too many games here. I don't get up to too many either, but I've been to that same hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. He's telling me it's an all-time low in terms of environment. Like they're the, the, whether it's just the PSL owners are selling to opposing fans, the the way they're operating right now in terms of the game day experience. Um, it's just people are not enjoying themselves there, even when the winds are there. It just doesn't feel like, you know, a home crowd. But to that point, it felt good to get a moment like that at the end where the triple play to me was very fun too. Sort of, a, as Matt Rose said, a college play, a little shovel inside. Got some energy in the stadium. That was cool to see a team competing towards the end. But no, it, it would not be that much different with Bridgewater here. In fact, in a lot of ways, I'll say it, the offense would probably be a little better right now. In terms of between the 20s, Billy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree. You've got to aim higher, though. I think we both understand that neither one is, is like where you want to be. And you reminded me quickly this week, hey, you were the one that wanted Teddy gone because of the deep stuff. And that, you're right. Um, more to the game than the deep ball, I guess. Uh, okay, so McCaffrey is still out. Uh, I, I don't know where he's going to end up here this week against the Giants. I don't think that's something you rush back. I think people have been, you know, a, a little bit ridiculous about, you know, trying to find a way to trade him. I don't think that's financially possible right now at all with a dead hit you would take. Um, he's not going to restructure. There's an out in 23, I think. Um, do you have any quick final thoughts on McCaffrey, where, where he is, where you expect him to be? It's hard to, it's hard to inject a hamstring, but they're playing on turf almost every week from here on out. Uh, that's not tremendously helpful. What do you think they do with Christian? What would, what would you do, do you think? Just given what you know about him now, how would you approach him as the team starts to move forward in their, you know, third year under Matt Rule, maybe? I mean, you just have to kind of keep him for another year, I feel like, because they restructured his contract, so it's very difficult to dump him, and no one's trading for that deal. And no. I think, like, you know, the best option is just write it out and see what happens. I agree. That covers that. Billy, anything else before we drop off? No, again, just a a disappointing game. I just thought the issues yesterday weren't related. They were just a lot of just errors from a game management and um, coaching perspective uh, at the highest levels. And uh, that was probably the uh, very frustrating thing about that game, but hey, that's why you play and you have a chance to go through adversity this week and figure it out the next week. I have one more question for you, Billy. And a lot of folks have asked me this. Um, what, what, what do you want from this team right now? What, what, where do you, where, where does playoffs enter your mind? Obviously, they're three and three. They, they, you've been very realistic, I think. Not pessimistic, realistic. When do you expect them to be a realistic playoff team? When do you start judging them on that scale? I mean, is it just for you? Is it just like, hey, just show me you can compete, win, maybe get to December around 500? You have sort of a goal in your mind, or are you just the one we get a time type of mentality here? Okay, well, I, I did say a couple times um, 
uh, during the off season. And I think I said on this show too, that I expect playoffs by year three. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not expecting playoffs this year, um, but I do want to see just foundational growth in some areas such as game management. And I'm not seeing that. Um, so I, I predicted seven to eight wins this year, and I still expect that to be the case. And I'm not going into every game expecting them to win. I just think that, you know, your expectations, um, you know, they adjust as the season goes on and you're just looking for uh, the team to improve upon, you know, issues that you, you know, diagnosed last year. And for me, I'm not really seeing uh, improvement in key areas. I, I'm, I'm seeing improvement in right zone offense. I'm seeing improvement in, um, overall defense, um, but I'm, I'm just not seeing improvement with the uh, quarterback and the just the game management of how they're approaching and taking in these situations. I think you're right. I really do, and it, it's 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 sobering, but it's true. And I know that's not your intent here, but it, it, it's absolute. It's just they're not um, they're not very well coached right now. They're not. Um, and that goes for everybody. I mean, Bill's doing a good job. Joe, get a little too much heat. Uh, fundamentally, this is a young team, uh, but it's the NFL, and Matt Rule needs to get a handle on some of this stuff. Uh, he gets a free pass from a lot of people. You mentioned year three. You know, I'm with you. I thought year two, my expectations creep into December. Show the things you talked about, some growth, fundamental growth, and, and be in a position where you can play this stretch in December, a very hard stretch with some meaning, with some purpose, instead of just hankathon season, you know, to, and, and celebrating one win against Washington and tooting your horn afterwards. So let's, let's see this team go to Buffalo with, with you know, a 500 record at that point, and hopefully maybe they're in the mix, and fight and battle. Cause you get, that's where you start to get better, I think. I don't, I, the carryover effect, I think, could be overrated, but I think there's some value with this team because a lot of this core will stay together. I think they need to learn to grow together in December. That's where Ron's teams did generate some forward momentum <laughs> into like 13, 14, 15 because they were very good in December. That's what I'd like to see. Um, whether they make the playoffs or not, I, I don't know. Um, be fun to see it, but I, I don't see this team right now being there just because they're so un, they're so unbalanced. Um, okay. Well, good talk, Billy. Enjoyed it, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. We will do it again uh, later in the week. We're going to find us a New York Giants guest. You know, some poor bastard out there that has to cover that mess. Um, that team is hurting right now. They got some injuries. Barkley, everybody else. Uh, got some tape on them today looking at that. We'll give you a breakdown this week. Billy's going to uh, do some uh, analysis on his Twitter. Follow him. And uh, we appreciate it. We're coming up on 100 episodes, Billy. You believe that? Man, just take it one day at a time. We're all day-to-day, as John Fox would say. For Billy Marshall, the great Billy Marshall, my name is John Ellis. This is Blue Wire. Thank you for listening to the Roar Podcast. Check you next time.